Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. And welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. We had a great Ophthalmology Innovation Summit in Chicago. We had 800 or more clinicians, investors, and entrepreneurs packing the Palmer House, discussing the future of ophthalmology. And if you were not one of them, well, you're in luck because we're going to use the next few OIS podcasts to bring some of the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit to you. In this podcast, OIS co-chair Gil Kleiman delves into the details of the exciting Alcon Google partnership that's trying to develop a contact lens that might not only correct vision, but also measure the glucose levels of its wearer. He's joined by Alcon executives Laurent Atias and Frank Lavalier, as well as Brian Otis of Google X. I'm certain you'll enjoy this podcast. Listen at the end to hear how you can find more articles and videos from our OIS editorial team. Maybe we'll start, uh, we'll let you guys in, in, introduce yourselves uh, and a little bit on your background and I'll, I'll be, uh, come right over. Sure, Laurent Tias with Alcon, I'm the head of commercial strategy. Hello, my name is Brian Otis, I'm the um, co-founder of the Smart Contact Lens Project inside of Google X. Hello, my name is Franck Leveillet, I am the head of R&D for vision care at Alcon. Fantastic. Well, I feel uh, pretty small here on this couch with you guys. Uh, it might be interesting. This is a kind of a multidisciplinary sort of uh, project, and maybe talk a little bit about the different backgrounds. You guys are kind of an Ocean's Eleven's team bringing different expertise to this. Uh, maybe talk about how you all came to the project. Maybe, maybe Brian, you, you could start. Sure, definitely. Yeah, I have a, a few different things in my background that brought me into this area and that I think has helped us really accelerate things. One is a, a long legacy in the semiconductor industry of working on products that end up out there in the real world um, that require utilization of all of the tools, all of the infrastructure and uh, investment that has gone into the semiconductor industry. On the other hand, I did a lot of work in academia on neural implants, brain-computer interfaces that really required pushing the limits of power consumption and size of, of those very semiconductors that are out there in the industry. So it's a confluence of those things that have really set the stage for the extreme miniaturization needed for, for these types of projects. And Frank, may a little bit on your background? Yeah, so um, I, have been, I have been in the medical uh, device industry for about five years, and at Alcon, um, we are trying to address unmet medical needs. And in vision care, we are developing contact lenses, and one of the big unmet medical needs we would like to address is correction of presbyopia, of course. And to do that, um, we realized that one of the valid paths scientifically would, would be to try to develop like a camera that can autofocus and that can sense the distance at which the patient is looking. And, and to do that, you need a computer that can analyze the sensing data and send the signal to the optics to autofocus. So it was clear to us that the next evolution for contact lenses would be like putting a computer into a contact lens. And it was amazing when we saw the announcement from uh, our friends from Google that, you know, you can now uh, miniaturize things to such an extent that you can put a battery, you can put an antenna, you can put uh, some sensors, and you can put a computer into uh, such a small object as a contact lens. So I think that's what excited us and brought us there. 
And so, uh, Laurent, were you the marketing genius behind this whole thing, no, or marriage not, broker, not, or what was your not role? Not the mar- marketing genius, but just simply the, the relevance of having worked in many areas of Alcon. And obviously, um, today, and having commercial roles throughout my career, including uh, in Europe and heading the Europe operations, and being able to see the unmet need um, out there, whether it's uh, when we talk about digital in terms of uh, you know, reaching out population and diagnosis, et cetera, or even uh, unmet need of more developed markets. Um, I would say that that, 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 that is why I, I kind of across all the divisions of Alcon I had the ability to kind of see what the commercial applicability of this could be. Great. And now, Brian, you're in that uh, shadowy Google X group. Could you tell us a little bit about X? I know certainly Google Glass was one of the projects, self-driving cars. Uh, as long as you don't have to kill us, but anything you tell us, please let us know what, what that group is all about. Yeah, definitely. So I've, I've spent time in the semiconductor industry before and a lot of time in, in academia. And there are pros and cons to both. And that's something that's very exciting about Google X is when we started the Smart Contact Lens project inside of Google X a number of years ago, there were some pretty big technological risks that we were still facing. But yet there was that desire, there was that hunger to do something risky that could have a big benefit. And I'll just briefly mention a couple of the the key ingredients of a Google X project, and you know a few of them that are out there publicly. Google Glass, the driverless car project, the balloon project, trying to get internet to tens, hundreds of millions of people who don't currently have access to internet. And I guess the the three key ingredients, one is a a huge problem that could affect millions of people. Uh, The second key ingredient is a is a a solution, a radical solution that may seem like science fiction on the outset, like a driverless car or like balloons that can distribute internet or or a smart contact lens. But the third key ingredient is breakthrough technology that we can actually apply to to turn that science fiction into something that's that's reality. And that's, I think that's really what we've done over the past couple of years in the smart contact lens project. Well, it's really interesting because we've got here two big companies that oftentimes we're up here at the podium talking about the challenges of big companies innovating, but here are two big companies not only innovating but collaborating. And maybe talk a little bit within, within Alcon, for instance, is this a, an area that you guys are have specifically focused on? Is it strategic? Is it something that you think will be a big opportunity? And maybe give a perspective on that. Well, absolutely. I, I think that um, if you look at the unmet need, whether you look at emerging markets with the need for diagnosis and be able to to have more portable and mobile. I think we had just a section on, on those kinds of uh, uh, devices that has a, a big interest for Alcon. In the developed markets, if you think about the um, what data means in terms of reaching outcomes, right? I think that we see it in ophthalmology today that the promise of outcomes is really what we are trying to get towards. And uh, developments in the digital space allows us to better understand the data that's produced by various um, devices, how to analyze it, you know, the big data capability of analysis, and how do we close back that loop to provide that to the doctor and provide this promise of outcomes. I I tend to make the reference about um, the success that we've had in in LASIK, really, in in being able to say, hey, we're going to ensure 98% of the time that you are 2020. That's a promise on the outcomes. I don't think we're there in, in other areas of ophthalmology. And maybe talk a little with, within Google. My understanding is it's very much a risk-taking culture. That it's kind of this idea of a moonshot. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the uh, how to how entrepreneurship is really encouraged inside a multi-billion-dollar company. 
Yeah, definitely. I think this, this project is one good example of that. We do want to take risks. We want to do things with a high, they have a very high impact, but we need to be responsible with the resources that we have. And so the, the philosophy that we have is try really hard things, but fail as quickly as possible. If an idea is going to fail, let's, let's make it fail as fast as we can. And you know, this, the Smart Contact Lens project, we've been trying desperately to make it fail for three years now. <laughs> and and it's, it's still running strong, so we're very excited about that. But that's a philosophy we take. This is one example. We're obviously looking at projects in other areas as well, and we apply the same brutal line of thinking. Um, we want to make it fail, and they do fail. And I think one of the key aspects of that is if you do come up with an idea, if you're diligent and honest about trying to make it fail, and it does fail, you're not, you're not penalized. You're expected to come up with the next great idea as, as fast as possible. That's great. And maybe, Frank, we've been talking big picture. Now, if we're talking about succeeding or failing, what do you see are some of the... This is a technically very complex project. People have been trying to do this for a while. There have never been the resources that you guys are putting on it. What, do you, what, what's, what keeps you up at 2 a.m. Uh, on the technical side? So from the technical side, um, there are two things that keep me up at night. The first one is, of course... Um, this is a medical device that is very uh, intrusive in the ocular surface, so we will need to ensure total biocompatibility of the material, of the surface, of the lens with the ocular surface. Uh, we don't want to create any mechanical insult nor any chemical insult that could also um, generate production of tears which could alter, for example, in the in the case of the glucose sensing lens, the levels of glucose we will be sensing in the tear layer. The second thing that keeps me up at night is um, when you think, and this is device-independent risk, it is more the patient variability um, that can be created depending on the condition of the patient. For example, if he has an ocular allergy or if he's experimenting dry high, or also um, it could be coming from environmental factors like humidity, temperature, etc. So this is really what keeps us at, uh, up at night and what we are trying to do together with our Google friends is to address this risk up front. And you can, you can imagine that there are a lot of late night emails going back and forth between Frank and I because there, there are also some things that keep us up at night as well. Just If you look at on the surface, some of the technical risks and specifications of this device. One, take what amounts to a handheld glucometer, add wireless capability, and shrink it down to something that can go onto a contact lens. Two, find, find some way of continuing to log the data, because you know, the standard technique for powering and interrogating these types of systems is to have a reader device. But you know as, as well as we do that nobody wants to wear contact lenses and glasses at the same time. So there's no possibility of having a reader device. The, the lens needs to operate autonomously by itself. The third is we need a seamless way of getting all of that data that we're generating, to Laurent's point, to the, to the cloud to do storage, analytics, etc. So we need some seamless way of getting the device into, say, a smartphone and getting it up to the cloud. And, and fourth, well, this basically has to be a, what amounts to a disposable device, so the cost has to be extremely low. And th those four factors are extremely challenging from a, a technology standpoint. So, so I sleep at night because these two are up doing this. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I, I was going to say, 
at Google, maybe they should ask what keeps you up during the day because you guys are used to working all night and, and yeah, around the and, clock. And, and I would like to add one thing which is very interesting. We are really trying to leverage the complementarity between the two companies. At Alcon, we know how to make a biocompatible contact lens. We know how to uh, improve the comfort. We know how to design the lens. At Google, they know how to miniaturize technology. They know how to manage these wireless communications. So we have an extremely uh, fruitful collaboration because we really complement each other very well. Now, as you guys think about it, so the contact lens is one platform. Are you looking at other platforms? We've had some companies here that are using smartphones or tablets. Or, how, or are you guys very focused on the contact lens as the best application in ophthalmology? Yeah, I can, I can take that from a, a technology standpoint. We've worked really hard to make this a, a very modular platform. A, a substrate, you know, the, the basic power supply, basic radio communication, computing platform that is as small as possible, that you can plug in different types of sensors, and that you can put it in different types of form factors. I think that's, that's really important. One very small example of a design decision we made early on, years ago on the project, that was very painful at the time, but it's paid off manyfold since then, is the, the concept of putting a standards-based radio into the platform in the contact lens. And what, what that means is, you know, it would have been much easier to make a one-off proprietary communication protocol, but that would have needed a very complex reader device to get the data off the lens. Instead, we invested heavily in a standards-based radio. That means that any radio out there that can communicate with an RFID tag, the kind of security tags in your clothing, there are billions of them out there in the world, any radio that can communicate with those can also communicate with a smart lens. Those types of decisions will enable this to be a platform to go well beyond glucose sensing on a contact lens. So this will communicate with my self-driving car that you guys are, are doing? We, we have talked about having an, uh, an alcohol uh, detector in the contact lens. So it could, it. depending on, on uh, what your dinner plans are tonight, kick you into self-driving mode. Okay, I'll, I'm I definitely talking. And but you, you can easily imagine in the future that um, you will wear a contact lens that can, of course, um, measure your glucose levels. Um, you can also measure your intraocular pressure. You could also measure other um, biomarkers, such as, for example, uh, BNP levels. Um, so I think the list is going to increase, and we have already a big common list, but I think we are focusing first on these products um, glucose sensing lens, accommodating contact lens, but definitely it's going to build up with time. You know, I would say that um, when you look at portfolio development, which I'm, um, I, happen, I happen to do with my colleagues from R&D, um, we have classical approaches today of mechanics, of material design, and relying, for example, with presbyopia, is how much can we count on the ciliary muscles to it? Well, what if we go outside the box and, 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 and bring electronics and miniaturization to help all that, right? Instead of just kind of being um, niched into just designs and materials and, and, and the body itself. So we're going to supplement. And in terms of the first place to apply this platform, one question is why... Why go after diabetes and, and glucose first? And that's something that we're, we're very passionate about helping people with diabetes. I know our colleagues at Alcon and Novartis are as well. And what we've learned is that it's not, it is not one size fits all. There are many different types of people with diabetes. Type 1, type 2 on insulin, type 2 not on insulin, pre-diabetic, 
and, and even people who are simply trying to lose weight. There's not one glucose monitoring solution that fits all of these, and we think this platform could be a, a really key advance to targeting members of that population who are simply not served currently. It's really amazing. So this, uh, this partnership was announced back, I think, in January. Now, we haven't heard much more about it, so I presume there's some amazing things happening. Could we expect to hear something uh, in the next few months, or is this something that's going to take years to bring to fruition? Can you give us some sense of timing? So I guess just to, just to correct that slightly, the, the um, public announcement for the contact lens was, was in January. I think the partnership was announced uh, a, a couple months after, only a, a few... In, in June, July, I think. Yeah, a few months ago. So in, in reality, this has only been going on for a few months. I, I guess I can't comment on the, the next steps in terms of announcements, but it feels like we've been collaborating for a, for a lot longer than that. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty far along on the collaboration side. Terrific. Um, anything else you want to communicate to the audience? We're running a little, little low on time, but we've, we've never had uh, two big companies working on as giant project as this. It's really unprecedented. I, did, I don't want to, to belabor this point too much because um, I know we're, we're running out of time here, but something I would love all of you guys to think about, and there's a concept in the semiconductor industry of, of Morris Law. I don't know how many of you are, are familiar with that, but it is the observation that continues that the size of of computer chips, their functionality and um, their power consumption you know, will, will shrink by a factor of two every 18 months. So the, the device that's in the contact lens will shrink by a factor of two a year and a half from now, and that will continue going. There was a time when it wouldn't make sense to have this computer in a contact lens, but now it's possible. And if you extrapolate in the future, there are a lot of other applications on eye, in eye, that can use these types of technologies that are going to be becoming more and more powerful. So I'd love you to keep that in mind, and I'd love to get ideas from you where, where you think the next applications will be a few years down the line. And I think we would like to be back here in three to five years and show you the device, right? We'd love to have it. If it was next year, that would be even better. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you all. This was a fantastic panel. And uh, next, uh, th thank, thank you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that glimpse into the Google Alcon Contact Lens Project. Next week, we'll hear from the leadership of Alcon, Allergan, AMO, and Johnson & Johnson Vision Care about the challenges surrounding the buying and selling of ophthalmic companies. Please listen in then, and visit OIS.net for more coverage of the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit. OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application.